0: Hello everybody and welcome to Let's Talk Music. My name is Ethan, as always I'm joined by my father Paul. And this is episode 2 of our podcast, so if you are enjoying it, please let us know. On this episode, we're looking at Alice Cooper's 1975 solo album, Welcome to My Nightmare. Welcome to My Nightmare is a concept album, much like the last album we covered on episode 1. With that being said, as a concept album, all songs are linked, and when played in sequence, they tell us the story of Stephen, a boy who's suffering from nightmares. The album inspired the TV special Alice Cooper The Nightmare, a worldwide 1975 concept tour and the Welcome To My Nightmare concept film.
1: Forget all you know or all you think you know about Shock Rock. Forget Slipknot, forget Marilyn Manson, etc. This is Alice Cooper, the first and probably still the best, the daddy of Shock Rock. After Billion Dollar Babies had seen the Alice Cooper band barred from touring across much of the globe, including here in the UK, the band split and Alice gave us his first solo project, the concept album that is Welcome to My Nightmare. <laughs> Before we get into the songs, Welcome to My Nightmare, what is it? Well, the sleeve shows a pursuited Alice, Alice, complete with trademark top hat on a background of bugs and assorted creepy crawlies, and is ranked 19th in the top 100 covers of all time. Alice is, was joined by the members of Lou Reed's band for the recording of this album, and played in sequence, as we said, the songs form a journey through the nightmares of the adolescent Stephen. Uh, the monologue in Devil's Food is provided by the fantastic voice of the great Vincent Price.
0: So, we open our journey with the track called Welcome to My Nightmare. This song has a mix of disco, jazz and hard rock. The track's lyrics are pretty simple, and it's an introduction to the album and a story as a whole. When I first listened to this track, my mum came into my room and said, what is that? It sounds like 1970s porno music. And I would 100% agree...
1: (laughs) Well, welcome to my nightmare. It's a bluesy introduction into the dream world of of, of the album that doesn't give too much away. It, it in this another bad dream, or as suggests throughout the song and the album, is it a total breakdown? Uh,
0: fun fact about the song: it did appear alongside Alice Cooper on the Muppet Show, uh, which is a, a kid show. This is worldwide, isn't it? I suppose the Muppet Show. Oh yeah. Um, In the episode of The Muppet Show, it appears on Alice Cooper tries to get Miss Piggy and Kermit to sell their souls, which for a children's program is very messed up. Uh, We then continue with our journey with The Devil's Food. This is like a slow jam song played by a hard rock band. The song brings up Stephen's abusive relationship, which we hear more about on later tracks on the song, on the album, sorry. The song features a long-spoken section again. This, of course, is horror star Vincent Price. Makes reference to all the insects, how they kill, and most importantly, the Black Widow spider.
1: Yeah, the opening lines declare he's getting ready for the lady, and she is the devil's food. This leads into a distinct monologue, as we said by Vincent Price. It goes on to explain the horrors of mating with the Black Widow.
0: Which then leads us on to track three, which, funnily enough, is called the Black Widow. This song is again about the spider mentioned in the previous song. Stephen's trapped on a giant spider web and believes, in order to make it out, he just has to obey the Black Widow.
1: Yeah, the Black Widow. This is a classic glam rock track. It's got its usual driving guitars and catchy chorus line. Um, it hooks you in it, 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 into into the tale of a dangerous liaison, the Black Widow. Do you mate with the Black Widow? She'll eat you alive. Um, it's cleverly scripted and put together, this track. Perfect.
0: And another brand new fun fact from Ethan's Fun Fact Corner. The song is also covered by Bruce Dickinson of Iron Maiden for Humanary Stew, which is an Alice Cooper tribute album. So uh, there's a fun fact for all you Maiden heads out there. We then move on in our story with track four, which is called Some Folks. What are your thoughts on Some Folks?
1: Some Folks is it, it, a background of a 40s show tune it opens this track, which leads to eventually a stronger guitar hook and, and back again. Whilst our protagonist is looking for something he feels he can't do without. And at the same time, he feels he's not a complete man until he finds what he's looking for. You, you sometimes feel maybe, is he looking for love? Um, we find out it's a bit more sinister than that.
0: Yeah, so in my opinion, a lot of the lines in this song do make reference to sort of heroin. And addiction as a whole. Maybe in Stephen's world, addiction is a nightmare. We know he's an alcoholic. It wouldn't surprise us if he struggled with other drug-related problems. Maybe this is something that he truly fears as well. The song mixes a very jazzy musical sound, in my opinion, with very dark and disturbing lyrics for almost a sick-sounding track. To me, in my opinion, the music mirrors drugs. They sound fun, but horrifying once you get into them. This then takes us on to track five, Only Women Bleed. Uh, What are your thoughts on on Only Women Bleed? Because I know we have some differing opinions.
1: Yeah, we do. Um, I find Only Women Bleed is a subtle ballad with a distinctive play on words. Only Women Bleed. Whilst a man smokes, drinks and, and don't come home at all. Now, this song underlines the suffering of women in the marital home of the 70s. And, you know, it also has um, traits of, uh, you know, the abuse, sometimes physical, sometimes mental, sometimes emotional, that women in the marital home suffer. You feel, um, I mean, I feel that this is some almost in a third party where Stephen is watching as his mother has these issues and goes through these issues, whereas Ethan um, believes that Stephen is the perpetrator. God.
0: Yeah, so. Um... I will be honest, when I did my research, one of the places I looked was Genius. Um, what they do is is they break down lyrics, but they also have the fans break them down as well. Um, so it seems to be a, a very wide opinion that this song is about Stephen being abusive. Uh, in a sense, it's all about how he's an alcoholic, he abuses his wife, and she just takes it. Because in his opinion, Stephen's opinion, that is not Alice's. Only women can get their heart broken because they have no choice. But a man can do whatever he wants. It's obvious throughout the song that Stephen's wife is mistreated by him. And that's a fair comment. Towards the end of the song, it feels like she's desperately hoping, almost begging for something or somebody to show him the pain she is he is causing her. Um, so yeah, in, in my opinion, as mentioned, that I believe it is about the abuse. There's another loud bite gone past. Um, and and you know, it, it's almost like a scary track to listen to because this is a nightmare, and let's not forget that this is somebody's nightmare. So it's never going to be pleasant, and it's not going to be something you want to listen to. Um, right. but it seems like the situation is that he does abuse her. The song could be a third party, or it or it could be him, and we'll leave that up for your interpretation. That's the the beauty of music.
1: Yeah, what I, what I will say is. Um, throughout the track and I, I, this is a track that I I really do rate I think it is pure melodic genius um, right through
0: 100% as
1: ballads go it's up there
0: Um it's right up there along the the same lines as I don't want to miss a thing in my opinion <laughs> <laughs> uh, this then takes us on to track six Department of Youth now this is probably my favorite song on the album I think it's brilliant the song doesn't really have much to do with our story however it could be a representation of steven as a child this has been widely considered to me that makes sense though the song's almost rebellious through the eyes of a child something that bands leaned into a lot back in the day and i know you were you lived back in the day and i didn't (laughs) thanks (laughs) um but across the 70s we had uh, in the early 70s we had schools out which was another alice cooper banger we then had this. We then that was then followed by Pink Floyd's another brick in the wall that was in nineteen seventy nine. Throughout the seventies, we also had the Sex Pistols, which were very much rebellious to literally everything. If you gave them a cause, they were rebellious to it. Um, fun fact: Welcome to My Nightmare and the Wall are both actually produced by Bob Ezrin. Um, so that could be the
1: the link there between the rebellious children. Yeah, I think the Department of Youth. It's a typical Alice Cooper romp. It is in the vein of schools out and elected. It's a celebration of the youth of America at the time of its recording. Um, I also feel that Department of Youth slightly slips away from the album. It's one of those tracks. It it was the first single off of the album, and I think it was cut as a single and added to the album. Um, Yeah, because it is one of those. It is a single song.
0: 100%. This then takes us on to track seven, which is a track called "Cold Ethel." Uh, so the song lyrics have a double meaning. Ethel is a play on ethanol, which is pure alcohol, as well as a woman Ethel who we learn in the song uh, Stephen may like to have necrophilic sex with, which is pretty messed up for a, for a music. I'll my line there. One hundred percent, I am deal with it. Uh, the song itself features a very repetitive cowbell, which everyone loves. It's the first thing I could point out when I listened to the song is um, I heard the cowbell and I automatically thought of Don't Fear the Reaper. And the cowbell is accompanied by a glam rock guitar riff, one of the best on the album. The music's catchy, the song lyrics are gross, a recurring theme on this album. What are your thoughts on Cold Ethel?
1: Cold Ethel gives us the depravity of Stephen's nightmare. They're all found in this, this take of necrophilia. Um, Yeah, please remember, this is a nightmare. Uh, Musically, the guitar is driven throughout and sudden ending um, for what is a rather up-tempo tune with such a depraved um, lyrical meaning.
0: Of course, and this then takes us on to Years Ago, which is almost, in my eyes, like the start of another three-song arc. Um, Years Ago brings up Stephen as a child, and at this point, it's almost like he's nearing the end of The Nightmare ironic because we're nearing the end of the album. He reflects on his neglected childhood, his inner conscience is telling him it's time to grow up. The voice he refers to as the end of his mum is actually his wife, who is begging for him to come home, almost like she's begging for him to come out of this nightmare. What are your thoughts about the story of the song first?
1: Yeah, eight, eight, um, the track eight years ago, as you say, it looks back through Stephen's childhood, his broken toys and promises from his mum as he grows into a mentally broken man. Um, and I think that the pressures that, he, that he's put himself under through his upbringing is what leads him to the treatment of his wife in, in much the same vein. It's what he grew up with. It's what he knows. And he thinks this is the way that the man should behave.
0: Right. Okay. Um, so the song itself, is slow, sad. Stephen confesses that much like his toys, he's broken. They also make reference to a carnival. So a carnival is like a fun escape for children. But Stevens is closed. All the issues he's had are catching up to him. Something that we all find scary. This then takes us on to the second part of this sort of individual arc with Stephen. What are your thoughts on Stephen?
1: Yeah, the track Stephen, um, this is Stephen's dreams taking a turn for the worse. As the track seems to follow Stephen watching his own death. Or is he watching the death of his mother or other people? You don't quite get it. Um, it, the majority of the, of, of the the track, as I said, features on him looking down at himself at his own death. So I think that that's where the emphasis should be put. Um, watching your own death, that's got to be a scary nightmare, hasn't it? 100%. Um,
0: so yeah, for me, Stephen's the continuation of our story arc that's just been introduced. It carries on with the story of him as a child and having a child's mentality due to the childhood trauma. He hears his mother, or so he thinks, calling out to him to try and wake him up. Turns out this is his wife, who he then murders, as you do. The song, to me, has like a piano in the opening, uh, which is almost in the style of Tubular Bells. It's slow, methodical, like most songs on this album have been, before it breaks into a musical-esque Stephen Gang vocal, before reverting back to its original pace.
1: That takes us into track 10. Track 10 is The Awakening. Um, in The Awakening, Stephen is walking through his basement looking for his wife. When he realises his hand is dripping with blood. This is a, a low tune. It's got tinkling in the background um, with pianos and cymbals. This could well be a sort of 70s B-movie horror, horror movie flick. Um, you know, that, that eerie piano tinkling away just before the slasher gets his latest victim.
0: 100% and that's something that I felt throughout the album the album the music itself does play itself like a film um you can really picture the scenes you can really picture what's happening you can picture the relationship Stephen has you can picture what he's going through almost which I think is amazing to to be able to do with just your words essentially and, and the instruments behind you um and a lot of that is down to Bob Ezrin he played all the synths, all the pianos for for this album, and then he does so really well um so yeah, at this point, I've got that Stephen almost finally awakes from his nightmare. he knows it's a dream, he thinks he's been sleepwalking, then he realizes that he's murdered his wife, as mentioned. The song itself is short and slow, it's almost chilling when the drums kick in as he realizes what he's done. There's nothing else really to say about this song. It's 100% what it says on on the tin. The story's there. It's there.
1: It is. And I think, to me, that's part of the beauty of Alice Cooper's music. They do exactly what they say on the tin, end of.
0: 100%. So that then takes us to the final song on the album. So a bit of a short episode this week, but I'm sure we'll have a lot to say about it come the end. So (laughs) the final track on this album is called Escape. After all Stephen has been through on this album, he decides he needs to escape. He does so, to be, to be completely honest. He does this through drinking alcohol, escaping the real world, not the world that he's committed crimes in. And it's with that our story
1: ends. Yeah, Escape is another typical 70s glam rock tune. It's joyfully bouncing along. But in the song itself, Stephen is looking for a way out of his nightmares, seeking help. And it mentions in the song, he goes to his doctors, but all he does is steal his mascara. He goes to his loved ones, but all he does is get another drink. Um, as you say, the escape eventually comes for Stephen in his breakdown. Um, I'm lucky enough that I'm of an age where I saw the uh, uh, video of of the um, stage show for Welcome to My Nightmare. And remember that track 11 escape, he comes out and he's wearing a full um, straight jacket. Um, with his arms tied up behind him, so you know um, with the visual presence that you don't get listening to the album that this Stephen has had his full breakdown. He's gone, he's over it. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: so the song for me has a very similar sound to Cold Ethel. It's very cheery and you can almost see credits rolling. Um, a lot of people, for, for me, it related to the, you know, the end scene of Joker where they've got that Frank Sinatra song. Yeah and it's like very calm and it's almost like fun to listen to and you sort of forget about what you've just seen um which is amazing for the film and the album you sort of this journey that you've been through has a payoff and the payoff isn't one that you like but the music makes you think it's good because he's escaped what has he escaped We can leave that up to interpretation. It could be what he's done. It could be the nightmare that he's been through, which I believe is is the most obvious version.
1: I mean, overall, the story of the record, is one of a young man whose nightmares come from his lack of love. Um, He's being raised in a broken home, a mum who flits from boyfriend to boyfriend. Stephen feels a deep sense of loneliness, and in later life, he struggles to find love himself in a misunderstanding society, and he follows in a path, Um, similar to that of his mum and his parents where he becomes abusive to his wife um, and eventually through his nightmares we believe potentially murdering her.
0: (laughs) Just potentially. (laughs) Um, For me, one thing I noticed throughout listening to the album was the difference in tone between the topics. So when topics like murder, alcohol, drugs all of these horrible things were brought up the music behind it was cheery and fun. And then when we brought up the real topics and we got into why everything was almost sad and depressing, like, I don't know, almost like Alice wanted you to feel that Stephen was having the time of his life through the music, doing all these drugs and drinking all this alcohol, and then in reality, he's no happier than the rest of us. Um, and I think that was done very well, to be, to be completely honest. I think it was fantastic the way that that was carried out. Uh, overall for me the album is a letdown though uh, throughout the album I was waiting for, for this big explosive moment something to really go uh, and even when that does come in the album with songs like Cold Ethel it's underwhelming which is also what I believe she said by the way <laughs> um, for me an Icon score of 4 out of 10 it, it just didn't didn't do it for me okay
1: let's just rewind a little bit here because we did with the last album we we, we had a, a four part uh, rundown and the four part rundown is this best track on the album even
0: best track on the album for me is probably got to be Cold Ethel
1: yeah Only Women Bleed it is pure genius the way that is put together alright worst track
0: there is quite a few I would consider as the worst for me Welcome to My Nightmare I yeah. really didn't like that track at all yeah
1: for me, it's devil's food. It's too much. Um, Vincent Price, the legend that he is, the voice that he has, the monologue on that song is way, way, way too long. We're, we're not talking, you know, the the intro to Number of the Beast here. We're talking almost a four-minute four monologue stuck in the middle of an album.
0: Yeah, and what was crazy about that was I, I was watching the time bar on Spotify and the first minute and a half is actual music and then the rest of the four-minute song is... Vincent Bryce talking. Exactly. Um, which, yeah, I completely agree is too long, but it suits.
1: Mm. Is the album iconic? Yeah, of course it is. Yeah,
0: yeah, you it's know. an iconic album.
1: Yeah, no, as I said, the artwork for the album is is, is 19th, best of all time. Um, it, it's one of those albums. This album became iconic. It became legendary due to that artwork and due to the stage show that went with it. The actual album itself, as Ethan said, is a little bit of a letdown in its way. Personally, my Iconosphere score on this, I still give it a 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, for me, an iconic album is an album that grips you. It's an album that the music matters the most. And just from what I've seen and what I've heard, this album is almost what makes it. what makes the album iconic. Is the relation it had afterwards? It's the tour. It's the TV show. It's the, the concept film. I died. Yeah, But
1: this is one of those albums. You said the music matters most, and and it does. But with this album, with Welcome to My Nightmare, it's the story.
0: Yeah, but I I just feel that if you took away the stage show and you took away everything that came afterwards, the album almost flops as a musical album as a story it's fantastic and and i'm not doubting that at all but for me the album's iconic status is carried by the tour and it's carried by the things that were produced afterwards um just from a personal opinion he's got a pen out now she's going to probably have a go at me so no one can hear it (laughs) saying that because i know he likes this album it was his suggestion on the wheel
1: all i was going to say is with the last album we did, we took our two scores and we gave it an iconic score in the middle of those two. And it be, you know, and that was the final score. So the final score for welcome to my nightmare is going to be five and a half out of 10, which means the black parade is still the most iconic album that we've done so far. So
0: far. (laughs) (laughs) Um, which does worry you because that one's only 19 years
1: old. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um. Um, We're we'll getting to the, the, the part of the show where, we, where we're we going to spin our wheel to find out what album's coming up next week. And while we're doing that, I just got to make a couple of uh, honourable mentions here to uh, people that have been in touch with us since episode one went out. Um, the Young Girl Ruth in Cuba. Uh, yeah, great. You know, so already we're global. Um, also, uh, Mr. Peter Sincock out there, who sent us in a list of four albums to try and and, 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 and do our thing with. One of those on that list, Peter, what we're going to do is this, mate. If we ever get to do an iconic album by, uh, what was he called?
0: Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber.
1: <laughs> you can come into the studio, mate, and you can do that one with us, okay?
0: <laughs> 100%. That is not my music taste at all. Um, I love I love rock music too much to, to listen to Justin Bieber.
1: Yeah, but at, at the end of the day, you know, we did say that we would do all iconic albums. Now... We mentioned a particular one last week with Madonna's Like a Virgin. If you challenge us to do something like that, if it, if it's 10, 20 years old and it's worth looking at, we'll definitely give it a go.
0: Yeah, 100%. Uh, so again, in terms of the episode, that's all. We're now going to spin the wheel. Let's find out what's yeah. next. It's a very weak spin again. That's two in a row. Well, the next album is Fleetwood Max Rumours. I'm looking forward to getting into this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the the crazy story of Fleetwood Mac, so that should be a good episode.
1: (laughs) What we did say uh, every time uh, an album drops out of the Wheel of Fortune, as it were, we were looking for you guys to send us in uh, a nomination for the next album to go in the wheel in its place. Uh, We have had a nomination. Um, A guy called Mr Nick Kingshot has sent us in and said, look, guys, let's get a hold of Electric Ladyland, uh, the classic Jimi Hendrix album, and we'll give that one a coat. So we're going to pop that one into the wheel for next week, so As you say, that could come out alongside the others, Number of the Beast, um, The Wall, the other albums that are already on the wheel.
0: Perfect. And as always, please like and share on Facebook. That'll be linked below, along with the album that we've just spoken about. Also, uh, as we were just talking about the suggestions there, if you do have any suggestions for any future episodes, please do feel free to email those ones across to letstalkmusicpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's let's with no apostrophe. Let's talk music podcast at gmail.com. Thank you all for listening, and hopefully, we'll see you all next time.
1: Thank you.